your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right. Welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solem. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. We're waving goodbye again to James Harden, headed from Houston to play with Kevin Durant and the Nets. I don't know what you thought I was playing that song for. James Harden has been traded to the Nets in a huge four-way trade. All... Unofficial at this point, so it's hard to trust anything that anyone says. But it's a very important trade because James Harden on the Nets is an Eastern Conference team, and the Milwaukee Bucks are one of the favorite teams to win the Eastern Conference. And when you put James Harden on the team with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, that becomes a very, very tough team to defend. And Giannis Santacumpo is only one man, even though he's the two-time MVP in the defending Defensive player of the year in the NBA and really tall and long and tough to guard. But the Nets have three of those guys now. It's going to be tough. So if you want to text me and and talk about this big James Harden trade, dude had years left on his contract and then he just pouts. He just pouts. I don't want to play. I don't want to play on this team. I'm, I, I got these guys on my team, but they're not any good. So... Trade me. I'm not playing anymore. Giannis Santacumpo, I will say, has uh, had his beast with James Harden in the past. That's all I want to talk about today. I'm just going to talk about the James Harden trade all hour. Okay, I'm just kidding. We we do have a, a mayoral, mayoral candidate on. I thought about bumping him, but because he did bump me last week when I asked him to come on, he he said he his phone needed to charge and he was getting a haircut. So he bumped me last week. So it would be funny if I just hung, I, hey Samuel, how are you doing? Uh this whole James Harden trade just went down, so um we're going to I'm going to talk about that. So sorry, man. I can't talk to you. I can't talk to you now. He's the uh he is he, he's, he's going to have maybe Maybe by the uh, February election, the primary, he, he'll be not 18, but as of right now, he's the 18-year-old. That's how most of us are going to know him. Samuel Schneider, I believe he owns his own business. I think it was a cleaning business. And we'll just see why he wanted to run for mayor. It's kind of interesting, right? Like, who who is the audacity as an 18-year-old to run for mayor? I didn't even know what I wanted to major in in college when I <laughs> graduated high school. And in fact, when I graduated college, I didn't even know what I wanted to do. And, you know, every day I come to work and I'm like, do I really want to do this? No, I'm just kidding. I love doing this. This is fun. Um, and I'm sure all of you are really mad that I'm not talking about the one, the the, the elephant in the room that isn't me. But uh, it is what it is. I don't have any. I didn't bring any experts on. We will have UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Tregoski on Friday. We can talk about that. And I will be talking about Martin Luther King Day with Viterbo's Rick Kite and the bottom half of the hour. And we can we can go down the avenue of you know the whole you know, the, the where we're at as a country and you know storming the Capitol 
maybe I haven't talked to Rick yet and I don't I don't know how into politics he is. I know he's the Viterbo University does a lot on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. This year's gonna be different, obviously, if you haven't heard virus. Um so we we're going to talk about how it's going to be different and, and 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 the importance of you know celebrating that day and and maybe we can go down the rabbit hole of of why maybe this year is is more important than the years past. I'm not going to say all the years because you know there's that whole there was a lot I think uh, more divisive times in our country's history than right now. But we're we're at a pretty tough point right now. I think we're um. Brown and black people are feeling like they don't have a say and and uh white people apparently are too, which is really funny. Six oh eight seven eight five seven nine one four is the talk and text sign. Um all right, I want to get Brad in the news going here so that I can come back and, and have more time. You don't want to listen to me talk anyway, so I'm gonna get so I can get uh Schneider on here and then uh Rick Kite Richard Kite after that. Uh, we'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. You got a question for Samuel Schneider. He's a, he's the 18-year-old. That's uh Schneider, you getting used to that? The 18-year-old running for mayor. I mean, that should just be your name until you turn 19, right? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. It, it seems to me, you know, a lot of people are more concerned about what I'm going to do, really, than what my age is. Yeah, that's good, and 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 that's uh, you know, what we could talk about a little bit. But uh, a, a dude just out of I I don't know if, what high school. I mean, did you go to Central Logan? What where, where did you go to high school? Actually, I was homeschooled. So uh, yeah, born and raised South Side, right down uh, not far from uh, Thunderson Health Clinic, and. That's where I did my schooling, but I was very active in the community, whether it was um, participating with a church or um, the YMCA was a big one when I was younger. So, I mean, I was I was around, you know. Yeah, um, and and the, the uh, you know you 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 get done and you 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 have your own. I, I guess you, you seem a little bit ahead of the game as most eighteen year olds if you have your own business, but now you're trying to run for mayor, but. So I guess people are people want to know like why did you decide you're going to run for mayor? Like you don't have any life experience. I think that's what a lot of people have been. How does this kid, the audacity of this kid, is going to run for mayor? He doesn't know anything about the world. <laughs> right. No. And that's a that, honestly, that's a good question to ask, and you have to ask it. And I would say, you know, when I was considering the possibility, right? You know, a couple months ago, some people were like, "Oh, Sam, you should run for mayor." Like, yeah, sure. And then I, I sat down and I thought about it. And, you know, starting my business, I actually started it right during the middle of the pandemic. Um, and uh, it was kind of along with the other life experience I'd had working at other places, whether it be, you know, festival downtown or uh, landscaping. I was doing that as well. I, I really got an eye-opener because as I would sit and talk to people, I was always one to, to hang out with the uh, older people anyway. And, you know, my friends used to get mad at me because I'd go and I'd sit and I'd listen to the adults talk. And so they were like, Sam, come on and hang out. And I was like, ah, that's boring. But, um, you know, I'd be, I'd be hanging around with them and I'd be listening. And even when I started my business now, I talk with landlords, I talk with, I talk with business owners and, and all sorts of things. And I, I was hearing some common themes. And, you know, I, I don't work for the city, but I would hear them complain about these city problems, whether it be property taxes or the roads or the issue of homelessness. And, uh, you know, I was looking at it and I was, I was seeing a little bit of a disconnect between where the city is uh, 
putting their attention, or at least where they're showing that they're putting their attention, and what the people were uh, desiring. And I think that there's a lot of different things that tie into that, but I looked at that, and I, and I just sat down one day, and I was like, you know, uh, there was a famous saying by Edmund Burke that goes, you know, that evil triumphs when good people do nothing. And I was just like, you know, I have the ability. I'm I'm ready to work for the people, and I've been uh, honored to learn many of the many of the different styles of servant leadership. And I have the ability, so I figured, you know, this is this is something I I could do, and I could really uh, serve the people of Lacrosse. We're talking with Samuel Schneider. He's running for mayor. He's one of 10 candidates. The primary is February 16th. That's a Tuesday, third Tuesday in February. And the election, when we cut down from 10 to 2, how intimidating is it? Not that just in general, you see 10 or nine other people out there running for mayor mm-hmm. and you got to set yourself apart. Have you figured out an avenue to do that? You know, uh, yeah, I think I think that my main goal has always been to prioritize what I've heard from the people, right? So when I talk to, uh, you know, the average person, whether it's somebody who's just, um, I've talked to people who've been homeless in the city of Lacrosse, up to people who own dozens of properties throughout Lacrosse, and I see a common theme. And that's where I want to stand out because I look at, uh, you know, the various opponents, and I, and I, and I, what I see lacking is attention to what people are talking about, right? So you, a big one would be the roads. And I know that, you know, if you take Lacrosse Street, for example, um, you know, that's, that's a state problem. But I look at it and I say, no, it's not a state problem. It's a city problem because it's called Lacrosse Street, and we have people from Lacrosse, including myself. Uh, I drive over it almost every other day. And, you know, knocking, down, knocking out your teeth, and then if you want to go show your, uh, you know, parents of uh, this nice new university that you're going to, and they go, you know, bumping over that, and their suspension gets torn apart doing that. I think that's one particular example of a symptom of an issue where we're not putting the things that are honestly necessities for the people of lacrosse first. And, you know, part of that is the roads. Another part of that is property taxes, where I hear that all the time. Property taxes are too much. And that doesn't mean that we need to, you know, slash everything in the budget. But that does mean that we need to take a closer look and make sure that people are seeing where their services are going so that there's that visual connection of, oh, I pay this money and this is what I get back from it. Well, when you say property taxes are too high, how, how do you see the, the mayor's role and the city's role in that, in, in, in being too high? Because they, they actually have, they're pretty comparable uh, to other cities this large, and they, they haven't gone up uh, in, in any degree the last couple of years. In fact, I've, there were a couple of years there they've gone down. Yeah, no, that is true. What, when I say that, we're looking at um, not just the city of La Crosse, right? Because we can take the city of La Crosse and we can compare it to, you know, Eau Claire, or Madison, Milwaukee, and, and say, oh, well, that, that's pretty reasonable compared to that. But then when you look at, we are surrounded by a lot of different areas. You can think of Shelby, you know, Madari, Alaska, um, West Salem, where the property taxes are significantly lower. Right. And so somebody who lives in lacrosse, they can look at that and they say, well, for an extra 10 minute drive, I can go and get my property taxes half as much as they are for a, a house twice the size. And I've seen this happen. In fact, just the other day, I talked to somebody who uh, has a $390,000 house. So it was a nice house, but they pay $15,000 in taxes on that every year. And so, you know, you do the math, you have that house paid for in you know, 20, 30 years. And it's not that I mean, I've heard people say, oh, you know, well, it's lacrosse. You just you get lots of benefits for it. Just stick it out. But you have to think, if people don't want to stay, 
we're looking at a long-term issue. We're standing at a crossroads where we're looking at, okay, if we don't figure out some sort of balance, either where the people are uh, appreciating the services well enough or they're, um, or they're seeing some sort of reduction, then they're going to move. And I even talked to someone who works at the hospital and they're saying, their coworkers don't live in the city of La Crosse. It's too expensive. Yeah, neither do I. I but part of the, you know, the property tax is like a three-tier system. We don't have to sit on property tax forever. I mean, that's right, part right. of the reason why I don't live in La Crosse is because I saw a house near Granddad Bluff, and it was like seven grand a year. It was a nice house, but uh, yeah, property yeah, tax, exactly. I was like, I'm out. But, you know, there's uh, there, there's there's different tiers to why to why property tax is the way they are. And the the city's role is one of those tiers. Uh, you know, then no, there's absolutely. obviously police, fire, and, and um with schools and all that so uh right no absolutely so unless you are you thinking about eliminating some of the schools is that what you want to do to lower property taxes <laughs> well uh thankfully the mayor's job does not have anything to do with the schools uh and i'm very uh very happy for that because otherwise i think that would be a little bit out of my league but um no i think that the important thing like i said you know one of when my platform is keep property taxes low and work to reduce them right so the idea isn't you go in and you just cut them everywhere. The idea is we go and we look at what we're doing and we see if we can make our money work harder. We see if we can make things more efficient. I've talked to people in the city and they've said, hey, there's some, there's some problems here with efficiency, with communication, where we're losing money or we're uh, spending too much time on one situation and then having to go back and fix it. And I can't give any details because people don't really want to uh, you know, give their name out. But I can say that I've talked to multiple people in that situation. I think that uh, I overall the city does a tremendous job. I'm completely in supporting of our police and our fire and uh, all the other different departments of the city. In fact, I'm calling the department heads um, on a, on calling through all of them. I've already spoken to a good portion of them and, you know, trying to figure out what is it that you need so that we can make the city run better and do more with our money. Yeah, we're talking with Sam Schneider. Samuel Schneider, he's running for mayor. He's one of 10 candidates. Um, when you talk, when you say you, you've, you've talked to people and their priorities are one thing, the city's priorities are another uh, you, mm-hmm. you see the priorities a little bit skewed. What what do you see the city doing that you 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 think you know that's not something that uh, we 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 should be focusing on. We should be focusing on something else. I think you know what this is a good question. I think a perfect example are the bump outs. I I have seen them especially down on Cass Street. I actually used to walk uh walk the tenth and Cass bump out. I used to walk that when I was younger, and uh, you know. I, as a you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14-year-old kid, I'd, I'd walk that street and I never felt unsafe. I never felt like the traffic was too fast. I would just do the thing that my parents taught me, which was when there's cars going by, you wait until they stop going by. I didn't need an extra you know, six feet of pavement to get across the street. And now that I drive a car and I've, to- I've spoken to people like the Aquinas bus drivers, they have to actually run up the curb to go over those bump outs. And I think that that's something where it's like, this is common sense, people. The plow drivers have a much tighter space to get through. Um, you know, bike bicyclists, I mean, if you want to cycle through one of those things and have to go out into traffic so that you can get through the bump out intersection, I mean, it's it, that is one specific example where it's like, why are we putting our resources there? We have potholes that need to be paved over when we're, we're building bump outs where they're totally, almost completely useless. It's like you think of, we don't live in LA. It isn't summer all year round. We have serious issues with snow and when it gets piled up, we have to make sure that there's still easy flow of traffic. 
Yeah, I think that when we did, the, how many years ago was the bump outs? I think uh, after those were made, everyone went, yeah, those are those are pretty dumb. We're not gonna, <laughs> we're not going to do that again. Uh, and yeah, and whoever whoever designed those didn't know. But honestly, like if you're on your bicycle, those are sweet jumps. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, I mean, uh, that, that's for if we want to just make it so that it's the entire city uh, streets are a 16-year-old's bike ramp, I suppose. Yeah, anything else that you see that, you know, that either either the city is focusing on that probably shouldn't be focusing on? I think the bump-out thing is, is, is played its course, and, and you know, but uh, or, or vice versa, where you hear people and we need to, you know, re- you know, reassess and we need to go after some of this stuff instead of what the city is doing. Yeah, no, there are uh, there are a lot of issues. I actually had a friend who um, the homeless and drug addiction issue is a big part of it. I've actually spoken to people at Catholic Charities, Independent Living Resources. I'm reaching out to uh, people at Salvation Army and Cooley Cap and other organizations. And I've spoken to people who have been homeless, who have overcome the addiction. And that's a huge part that we don't want to forget about, um, that, you know, the city of La Crosse is really struggling with that, whether it's down in Cameron Park. I've spoken to business owners in downtown who are like, man, this... The, the 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 homeless coming into my bar is really affecting my business, and we have to find some sort of solution. So, um, you know, I, I had a friend who lived in La Crosse. He moved out three years ago because five consecutive days in a row, he went out and found need, dirty needles in his front yard. And he has two daughters. One is one is autistic, and so it was like for him, you know, I can't I can't continue to live in a neighborhood where, uh, you know dirty needles are on the streets. And that's not just a problem there. I had a friend who uh, stuck his toe down at Copeland Park a couple years ago. And, I, and I've heard of people who you know, have to avoid them even more recently. So that's a big issue that we need to be focusing on, uh, you know, well, just how, broadly speaking, homelessness. Yeah, I mean, I mean what, what, what would you do there? I mean, I, I think the fire, the fire department is, is uh, you know, if you, you see a needle, they're tasked with going to handle it there you know um but obviously there's there's reasons there's a drug problem there's a then that leads to a needle problem there's a homeless problem i you know you could say the homeless and the drug problem is the same thing but uh you know do you have any do you have any ideas on how to help homeless people or how to help the, the the alleviate the drug problem yeah you know my my primary goal is not to come in with the answers right because we, anyone who's been in politics knows that if you think you're going to go in and fix everything off of preconceived ideas, that's just, that's not going to work, right? So that's why I've been reaching out to the the different organizations and talking to people who work there and asking them, because they've been on the ground, they've done the work, you know, they they are interacting with these people on a daily basis, and they're going to know what the best solutions are. And they've suggested some different things. You know, I've I've heard about the... Uh, the idea to the housing is a big issue, especially now with uh, COVID, obviously, and interacting with landlords is something that we have to figure out. And maybe uh, having a center where people where the where it can be a one stop shop for homeless to go to and get kind of sorted out. It's a you know it's a triage. It's like hey, oh you need to go and uh, you know you're str- we we got some mental health issues here. Let's get in touch with Gunderson. Let's get in touch with Mayo and and have them help you out. Or uh, you need housing. Let's help you out with that. So right now, you know, if you're homeless, you have to call Salvation Army, ILR, uh, Cooley Cap, and typically they're pretty good with it. But <clears throat> it would be a lot more efficient if we had some place where it's like, okay, let's have them all come together. And that's just one idea. Well, you know, yeah. I we need to be touching base with everybody and seeing what they're all thinking. Yeah, Catholic Charities had they were going to set up a center, and then the neighborhood that they wanted to set up on kicked them out. So there was there's that issue too. 
No, yeah, and I did actually speak to someone at Catholic Charities, and I think that, um, you know, it, it's hard because the neighborhoods are obviously concerned about the safety if we put up a center like that. So we have to try to find a place and, and work and talk to people to get a solution that is going to be beneficial for everyone. Um, and then we also have to realize that it, it's a need in our city, so we have to balance those, um, you know, values and goals and try to get a solution that works for most everybody. Do you see uh, now the the pandemic might dominate uh, the mayor's term here the next four years or maybe half the term? Uh, mm-hmm. What do you see the biggest issues with the pandemic? And, you know, a lot of there's there's the avenue of like helping businesses. There's the avenue of helping people. I don't know. There, and there's a middle ground. But I, I don't know. How do you how do you see the pandemic affecting lacrosse? And, and what do you think needs to be done about it? Well, you know, I think that thus far the city has done a uh, broadly speaking fairly good job on dealing with the pandemic. I think that, um, you know, obviously it's it's kind of hard to judge it by anything because we haven't really gone through a global pandemic for a while. So it's kind of like, oh, well, what are we going to compare it to? You know, are we going to compare it to everybody else? Well, you know, going through this for the first time. So it's a, it's a hard line to draw. I think that, you know, um, hopefully, you know, the vaccine starts coming out and we have some, um, we have some uh, progress on dealing with it. I think that it'll become less and less of an issue, but, you know, as it goes to, and here's the other thing, too, you think about it, it's changing all the time, day to day, week to week. You know, I think that it's more important to be able to uh, talk with those professionals, talk to the people who know what they're talking about and say, all right, so what are we looking at now, which is going to be, you know, if I'm if I'm elected, that's going to be you know, April 21st. So that's almost three three months away. So I think a lot will change between now and then, and so it'll be better to reassess the situation once we get there and do you think uh, you think we'll be out of the water then by then by by april because it, it sounds like the end of august maybe we start to return to a normal life and and at this point nobody has confidence in and not nobody but a lot of people don't have confidence going into a, a lot of the small business the restaurant industry obviously hurting oh yeah um, you know this is a it's this, is, butchered, this yeah. is the biggest issue is people go there and that's where you wouldn't wear a mask. So those are the businesses hardest. Right. No, it, and it's and it's absolutely terrible. And I've talked to people, uh, and I and I make a point to whenever I can support a local business that is struggling because I know how hard it is. You know, as a small business owner myself, we've had ups and downs, and it's it's uh, it's it's really hard in this climate. And I can't imagine how bad it is for the restaurant owners because, you know, for me at least, I'm I have somewhat of a more stable kind of you know how people, how I interact with people, but for customer owners, oh, the numbers spike and then no one comes, you know? So we have to really be uh, empathetic to that because look, at the end of the day, they're, those small businesses is what sets us apart as a community. And we really do have an amazing community here in La Crosse. I mean, you think about it, we're in between the bluffs and the river. We have a vibrant downtown. There's a lot here that is just beautiful. And there's a lot that we can work with. Um, but I think that there's, there's a lot of things we can do better as well. And we have to keep in mind what the needs of the people are so that we're not having, um, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, lacrosse just being a massive, you know, exit site instead of we want it to be a place where people are pouring in so much we don't have space to, uh, you know, house. we have to get more property and build taller houses because everybody wants to become to lacrosse, you know. And, and uh, there's a lot to that because 
you know, I, I talk to college students as well. You know, I want to be a bridge between the older and the younger because I have a lot of respect for what the older generation has done in lacrosse. But I also see that we have to be forward-thinking, right? What is the future of lacrosse? What is the vision? We want to be bringing in smart people, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs. We want to be bringing them to lacrosse. And I talk to college students, and they're on their way out, right? They come, they're doing their thing, and they're gone. And they don't want to ever touch lacrosse again. And I want to change that because, you know, we have a university that is top of the line, you know, second highest uh, score required to get into it out of the state. And none of them are staying. And that's a problem. Sammy Schneider, he's running, he's running for mayor. He's one of 10 candidates. He's quote unquote, the 18 year old. Uh, thanks a lot for joining me, man. I, I will say I gave you homework to do. Did you send that back to me? <laughs> um, yes, I'm working on an ASAP. I've got a whole list of emails i got to sort out and answer, so I'll be getting that to you shortly, Rick. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Yep, you have a good one. Bye-bye. Right. All right, got to take another quick break. When we come back, Rick Kite, Richard Kite from Viterbo is going to be on with me talking about Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And, uh, yeah, Scott's Comet coming up. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Usually I would just, we we would kind of marinate in what the last interview was. And Samuel Schneider is one of the 10 candidates running for mayor. And we could kind of discuss what he had had to say, what he didn't have to say. Uh, but there's there's important stuff happening in the city. And, and we're going to have to just do that later because I have Richard Kite on uh, at, at Viterbo. Have we canceled Doctor Richard? Do we? Do, can I call you Doctor? I mean, we, we that Wall Street art, Wall Street Journal article uh, has canceled culture the word Doctor unless you work in a hospital. Well, then I yeah I guess I'm the kind of doctor that can't help anybody, so I guess you can't for me. <laughs> right. Um, all right. So obviously the well not obviously, but the reason I had you on is for for the most part is is that Monday the Turbo does. A big, uh, do you call it a celebration of Martin Luther King Jr. Day or do you, uh, uh, you know, just a, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, I guess you do. It's right here. It's in the headline yeah, of the flyer. It's our, it's, yep. It's our annual community celebration of, of Martin Luther King Day. And so, yeah. And Brad Williams in the, in the Wisdom Newsroom, he was talking about this the other day. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I should bring, I should bring you on and, and talk about it. He said that this is always kind of a big deal. Why is it such a big deal at Viterbo? You guys have made this a big deal uh, for quite a while. Yeah, well, the the event has been going on for a long time. English Lutheran Church used to host it, um, and it just it the attendance outgrew their capacity, and and we started hosting it because we could put it in the Fine Arts Center, and and since then it's been going every year. And the last few years we've we've gone up, you know, up to the rafters of that that building, twelve hundred people. We've been at capacity. Um, I th- I think there's more there's kind of more interest in kind of celebrating diversity and and the uh, legacy of Martin Luther King here in our community. But also we've done a pretty good job of trying to bring in speakers who can kind of raise the profile of the event. Um, and I would say finally, the other thing is like we, we get to recognize local leaders and celebrate their accomplishments here in our own communities. So all of those things play a part. And Reverend William Joseph Barber II, he's going to be the keynote speaker for you this year. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about him and why he's he's such a great person to have uh, on Monday? He is right now probably America's most recognizable social justice advocate. 
Um, he's uh, uh, with organizations like Repairs of the Breach and the Poor People's Campaign. He's been up. He's he's been very vocal in the kind of policy changes that he thinks we should be making as a country to be to be more just. But he's also really the inheritor of Martin Luther King's voice in that he's a he's a he's a pastor. He carries on this tra- tradition of of nonviolent um, protest and I would say nonviolent advocacy. And he's he's very outspoken of of making profound change out of a position of truth, love, and justice. Uh, Doctor Richard Kite's on me with me. What do you, what do you teach at Viterbo, Rick Kite? What do I? Yeah, I teach I teach ethics courses in a, a variety of areas in, in business and healthcare and so forth, and then I also teach in our servant leadership program. And um, when it, when it comes to you know Martin Luther King Jr. Day, there's there's two avenues here because we first of all we're going to have to do this all virtual because of the pandemic, and then second of all, this is maybe one of the most important times to recognize uh, this day and as the country seems to be fighting, uh, you know, in part because of of, of you know, black and brown people. Yeah. You know, one of the things that's happened in our country as as we become more polarized, um, and, and, you know, there's all kinds of data showing this, whereas, you know, in, like 50 years ago, even 20 years ago, a lot of people kind of identified somewhere in the middle. They were maybe slightly left or slightly right. Um, majority of people now are moving much more towards one or the other extreme. So we're really divided, but we're more polarized. As that happens, um, there's less and less willingness to engage with the other side and less willingness to accept like common self-restraints on how we conduct our business. And what that means in practice is um, protests tend to get more violent because neither side recognizes that if they want expect the other side to to engage them. They have to be willing to use the same methods that they would find acceptable from the other side. And uh, so, I think this message is really important because King understood that the only way you really change society long term is you have to use persuasion. And you can't you can't persuade somebody while you're hitting them over the head. I mean, you're not going to change their mind. So you might you might accomplish a temporary victory, but you you've got to change people's minds about things. And 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 in order to do that, we have to use some strength, and that's what nonviolence is all about. Uh, Doctor uh, Reverend William Joseph Barber is the speaker on Monday at Viterbo, but virtually. What else What else do you have going on that that you see? Uh, at, on this day that you guys are celebrating that, that people should probably, you know, get get online? Or is, will be, people be able to go to this, or is it kind of sold out already? I think you're going to have a limited audience, right? No, nope, not on this one. We're doing it, we're streaming it on Facebook Live, so people can go on to Facebook and just do a search for the Turbo University Facebook yep. page and just and watch it live and then ask questions um, so that, you know, see the whole whole event, including Dr. Barber's address. And then this is going to be broadcast around the world through uh, live streaming with the kind of the organizations that Dr. Barber is affiliated with. 
Um, and when we talk about diversity and, and trying to, to, to bridge, you know, the differences everyone has, uh, locally, it, do, you, do you see an avenue there to, to, to help that? Because the, the voices obviously are, are getting louder in lacrosse as we see a lot of protests happening this summer, a lot of peaceful protests, right? And, but, but I don't think a lot of people understand, uh, you know, the, the, the plight of brown and black people. They, 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 they don't see their, their, them having a problem here in lacrosse when a lot of those people are being like, hey, there's, there's racism here, there's a big problem and we, we need to do take some steps to solve it. Yeah, so if you if you're talking about a population that you're you're not part of, the only way to really find out what's going on is you you talk to people and say, "Well, what's going on with you?" Uh because, you know, like me as a as a as a white guy in lacrosse, I I don't see that much racism. I don't witness it myself, but but of course I wouldn't, right? Because, you know, most of the interactions I'm having is with other white people. And so I'm not going to be, I don't, I don't have a very good perspective on this. And so um, that's why, yeah, you, you talk to people and you ask, well, what's going on? And as soon as you do that in just about any community, but our community too, what you find out is, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of problems. We have, we have some work to do in our community. So there you go. Yeah, and and this is something you've been doing, right? You've you've actually you you have you've been doing some podcasts. I think you've probably had Keontae Turner, who's running for city council. I think you've had him on. I'm going to try to get him on here before uh, I've got until April to get to get him on a couple of times to talk about this some of this stuff. Keontae Turner, obviously not obviously, but he's a he's a black guy that lives in Lacrosse. And and uh, y- y- have you talked to a, a bunch of people or, or and just kind of heard mm-hmm. their their you know you've 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 heard their experiences and and what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of people. And, you know, it's interesting because I, I, I taught for a number of years in Memphis. And in my classes there, they, they were much more diverse because the population of that region, the, of the Deep South, a uh, lot more African-American population. And so, um, I, you know, I would get a lot more stories from my students about what they're experiencing and so forth than and there, I would actually see it much more because I'm, wit- I'm, you know, I'm going downtown or in the stores or something, witnessing different kinds of interaction. Um, here, you have it's, you know, we're we are an overwhelmingly white community, and so it's a little harder to just witness what's going on. But yeah, I've been doing that, you know, asking asking people, you know, what's going on in your life, and and getting the stories and. Um, and then also the other thing is saying, well, like, what do we need to change? How can we do things better? And, um, you know, I guess every single area of our life, there's always things that we can do better. And, and there's some cases where we could do things much better. So I think Chianti would be a good place to start in our community. He's done, he's, he's been really outspoken in the past year. Um, and there's a lot of others too. Now, is this something that you you bring up in class too? As you you, you talk about ethics, and I, I don't know, is it, it, it almost you almost have to at some point. Yeah, certainly you do. Um, but uh, I also try to be really sensitive uh, to students and uh, and not put students in the on the spot because I don't I never want a student to feel like they're speaking for an entire race um, or say. Um, for for any kind of identity group, saying that they're the representative within the classroom, and so so some of these issues you 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 figure out how how is the best way to deal with it in the class, um, 
And that's always a judgment call. Yeah, and then it's just a couple of white guys on a radio show trying to talk about it, too, as well. <laughs> um, yeah, well, we always start from where we are, right? Yeah, we got to start somewhere. And, and uh, so so with, with what happened Wednesday, and, you know, what, what were your feelings there with what happened last Wednesday? And, and here we are a week later, the, the president has been impeached from the House, and, and you know, a lot of people, you know, half the country is going to say this is going to divide us more, and the other half of the country is going to say uh, this was a, a necessary thing that needed to be done to show that we aren't going to put up with with these these kind of tones. Yeah, so that was that was a surreal day because on last week Wednesday afternoon, I was I was doing a podcast interview with Minnie Jean Tricky, who was one of the Little Rock Nine, who one of the, one of the kids integrating the Little Rock. Uh, Central High School, Little Rock School System, and um, which was a, a huge event in the civil rights movement. But, um, but so the this these protests, which then turned to riots and the invasion of the Capitol, helped happen. And then we're talking with a person who was directly involved in civil rights struggles and kind of the violence involved in the Deep South with that struggle. And it was amazing to me. She she was she was practically in tears, going between like deep grief and and outrage, that feeling in some ways that her whole life had been for nothing because we haven't made any progress in this society. Um, and you know this is. And then the the following day, I felt like. You know, with all the people I talked to, it felt kind of like a national day of mourning, like that we cross a line in which we lost something. We lost something pretty significant. Um, and um, and I think there's been a period of kind of trying to recover from that. Saying, so, okay, like, what do we do now? Like, And, and also this, this deep question about who are we? Like, who is the United States right now? What kind of country are we? And we have all these competing voices, and I think it's really hard to know exactly who we are because we keep... Well, I don't know. I'm going to stop right there because <laughs> I could just ramble about this all day. Oh, I, so. I, and I hear you. And, and you know, perfect timing, Rick, because uh, we, we're going to run out of time anyway, and I, I feel like, I, God, I don't want to cut him off right in the middle of this, but I also... Uh, the the show is going to end, but I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, what time on Monday should we get on? Seven p.m. Right, Facebook Live at Turbo University. Yep, seven p.m. Yep, we'll be starting the live stream right then at seven. All right, thanks a lot, Rick, for joining me. Yeah, thank you. Always good to talk to you. You too. Bye. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Thanks everyone for listening, and uh, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again.